0: This week on Rotten or Righteous, we come to the realization. You're not going to understand anything. No one's going to listen to this episode. It doesn't make (laughs) any sense. (laughs) But I'm still going to put it out. Understanding our past determines actively our ability to understand the present. So, how do we sift truth from belief? How do we write our own histories, personally or culturally, and thereby define ourselves? How do we penetrate years, centuries of historical distortion to find original truth? Tonight, this will be our quest. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's gonna be the same stupid show that we put out every week. Welcome to Rotten or Righteous. <laughs> Boo! The only podcast whose name is an anagram for the phrase "get nosier" or "trout." That's true. If you wrote out did the you, words that's "get," th- I, I did. I spent uh, a little bit of time working on an on an anagram for our show's name, and the best I could come up with was "get nosier" or "trout."
1: Wow, that's weak. We need to be better. Yeah, we are what we are, Luke. <laughs> I wish you would put more time into this podcast, Zach, so that we could have a better anagram. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh my.
0: <laughs> Remember to follow us. Uh, has
2: been silenced.
0: Our... No, I'm just wanting to get through this. Remember to like us on Facebook... At Facebook.com slash Rotten or Righteous. You can email the show at Rotten or Righteous at gmail.com. If you are listening to us on iTunes, give us five stars. Despite what you may believe or feel, uh, just hit the five stars. Don't pay attention to to the ethics of it. Just give us five stars. Do it, Colin. Do it.
1: <laughs> I imagine Colin has done his part. <laughs>
0: And then uh you know subscribe to us if you're listening to us on anything else. With me today as always, he's been dragged onto a podcast who believes this stuff is real. Real enough to kill for. He's Luke Taylor.
2: Beach.
0: He's known that was in like
1: part of a secret society.
0: Right. He's known in circ- <laughs> this is a secret society. <laughs> <laughs> my my, <laughs> my dad saw the, the cover art for this week's episode With the Pope and Predator facing off against each other And uh, he goes, the Vatican's going to sue you And I said, I would love for the Vatican to sue me I would love would it, it. And That would be
2: great for the show
0: One, I don't have anything <laughs> So they're not going to get anything from me And two, do you realize how popular our show would be because of this? Or because yeah. the Vatican sues us? Bring it on, Pontiff! Bring it on! I'll show you who the real Familias is around here.
1: Uh, <laughs> it would just be like our public defendant lawyer <laughs> up against yeah. the Vatican's best.
0: Uh, and nominee patriot at Philly, sancti. Let's do it. Um, He's known in certain circles as Princess Sophie. He's Scott Judge. Dance Good day. <laughs> and me well, the Priory's members span our very globe much like my waistline. I'm
1: Zach Geyler <laughs> Does Dan Brown have it out for the Catholics I mean or are they just like easy prey um
0: and I, I do want to say that my self-depreciating comment about my waistline came from my lunch today. I ordered a pizza from Pizza Hut but for some reason, The toppings I put on it, I normally put like, you know, pepperoni, ham, bacon, 12 pounds of lard. Just basically a coronary on a crust is what I call it. And uh, but for some reason, all my toppings got deleted and I ended up with just a plain cheese pizza. And I truly thought to myself, oh, okay, I guess I can eat healthy. (laughs) Did you eat it? I don't know yeah. that I would eat a plain cheese pizza. No, I, I ate it, but in my mind, I was like, well, I guess I'm being healthy today.
2: It's <laughs> great. great. I'm not even I joking. That's, good.
0: that's what I thought. And then I took a nap, and I woke up going, I'm so fat. I'm so fat that I think <laughs> a cheese pizza
1: is health food. <laughs> <sighs> I never realized how good Pizza Hut pizza was until I moved to Guam and we had fewer options than back home because we never yeah. went to Pizza Hut. But it's pretty good stuff.
0: Yeah, Pizza Hut's pretty
2: good. We had Pizza Hut a couple nights ago.
0: I'll tell you what is surprisingly good, and it's surprisingly good all the time is Little Caesars. I love Little Caesars pizza yep. and crazy bread. Mm, that's great. $5. Well, here, five here, Little Caesars $5. is ten bucks. So, well, here it's five fifty-five, so it's not even a five-dollar hot and they ready. They raise anymore.
1: their prices. Yeah. They, they got they got hit by that inflation too. No longer you know five dollar pizza. Yep. Thanks, Joe.
0: This week we watched the two thousand and six Mystery Thriller titled In This One He's Kinda of Theistic Jones and the Last Crusade, also known as the Da Vinci Code.
1: Blasphemy this... against all Christianity. I tell In you
2: this... what, I got so upset I took some time and read the cotton patch, Luke.
1: What did that make you feel better?
2: It actually did.
1: It's like, this is holier than the Da Vinci.
2: Well, I don't think,
0: Scott, now that you've been exposed to true blasphemy, that you can call the Cotton Patch Blasphemy anymore.
2: Yes, I can. Challenge (laughs) accepted.
0: (laughs) Alright. Well, this movie begins, like all good movies, with an old man being shot by a creepy albino in the Louvre. (laughs) The old man that was shot by the creepy albino is a man by the name of Jacques Sonnier, And he's being pursued, like I said, by that creepy albino named Silas through the Grand Gallery in the Louvre Paris. Is that how you pronounce that? Is it Louvre or Louvre? I
2: think it's Louvre. I think it's Louvre.
1: I That's think what Scott wanted to say. I think this guy's a fake albino. He doesn't have red eyes. No, he has
0: pretty pale eyes. And yes, he's a fake albino.
1: Though.
0: He's a fake. That's of, of course, he's a fake albino. Do you not know who that is? Paul Bettany. Yeah, it's Paul Bettany, aka Vision from the Marvel movies. aka I could have gone my whole life without knowing what Vision's butt looks like, but I got thirteen different camera angles <laughs> at it this week, and now I definitely know. <laughs> they did have
1: plenty of angles. I mean, you
2: know, but like, what's it's wrong with you, Luke?
1: I was I, very. I didn't. Very I didn't in. recommend this movie. Zach picked this movie. No,
0: you picked this movie like six months ago, and we just got around to doing it.
1: What? I don't remember
2: that. That, That's how I remember it. I I thought (laughs) you picked all three of them. Last week's, this week's. How much nudity does next week's have in it? All right, so
0: Mr. Albino is chasing Jacques Sonnier through the Louvre in Paris, and we learn later on that Silas is a member of the ultra-conservative Catholic sect known as Opus Dei. And uh, their their whole mission is to destroy another secret society called the Priory of Sion, who is sworn to protect the Holy Grail. Because the the Priory of Sion has proof that the Holy Grail exists. And will ultimately reveal that proof, and it will just destroy everyone's you know faith in the catholic church which would be terrible really cuz every the catholic church has such a good reputation that i would hate for something to come through and just kind of violate the goodwill that they
1: have do you think it would i mean think of all the scandals that the catholic church has been through and covered up and they're still going so i'm not even sure that would stop it It'd just be like it's fine. That noise, dear listeners,
0: was the sound of my joke going over Luke's head. <laughs> <laughs> the point was: is the Catholic Church is so corrupted already that anything that undermines it really wouldn't affect it that much. What were you? What, ask your question, Scott, because I want to set your well, mind. ease. my at question
2: east. is: why? Why do we think that the Grail was Mark specifically held on to? I mean. You get done eating, you do up the dishes. You don't remember what she had, what she used. Why? Why should we think that this was set aside? That this was the the time, the moment in which Jesus took the cup?
0: Well, because well, first of all, Scott, you didn't explain what you're talking about. Uh, uh, for those who don't know, the Holy Grail myth is it was the cup that was used at the Last Supper of Jesus, and was later used to collect the blood of Christ and thus imbuing it with Christ's power. At least that's what we're told by the mainstream media. We'll find out what the it's Holy true. Grail really is in a minute. And yeah, I'll you, this, this I'll, movie I'll, I'll,
2: set me straight.
0: I'll tell you why uh, it matters, Scott, is because the Crusades needed a reason to go to Jerusalem and kill a bunch of Muslim people. Okay. And so they came up with this, the idea of the holy relics, that they were going to hunt down. And if they happen to kill some Muslim people on their way to find these holy relics, then, you know, occupational okay.
1: hazards. So are you are you affirming the Crusades? Is that what I'm getting?
0: How in the world were you You're getting like, right?
1: that I was affirming the Crusades by what I just said? Oh, well, that's what I got out of it. So, dear listener, Zach's, Zach, would you be a Crusader back in the day? I think you probably would. No. You'd be like, I honestly I I'm would be go like find a me some holy relics.
0: I'd be like a cow poop the farmer. Cross. I'd just be out in a field, cow poop up my, a wet farmer, up to my up to my nips and cow poop, scooping it out for the government. <laughs> so basically, Silas is chasing down this guy through the Louvre, but the guy like pulls a painting off the wall, which sets off the Louvre security and. Um, like, traps from Home Alone fall down out of the ceiling. And all of a sudden, the, the albino can't get to the guy because there's bars in front of him that fell out of the ceiling. But he's like, hey, dummy, uh, I've got a gun, and these are just bars. I can totally aim a gun at you. And so I was is like, hey, I need to know where the Priory's Clef de Voutes is, or the Keystone. That's my French. Uh, that's how good it is. I said Clef de Voute." which is not how you pronounce that word, but we're going to go with it. He's like, hey, I need to know where the keystone is, so that way I can find the rest of, of these Priory of Scion folks. And Sonnier is like, I'm not going to tell you. And then the albino's like, okay, are you sure you're not going to tell me? Because if not, I'm going to kill you. And then Sonnier's like, okay, I'll tell you. I'll tell you where it's at. It's at uh, it's at the, uh, the Church of St. Sulpice. I can't. This is stupid. The names are stupid. I hate that we're doing this because I have to say names <laughs> of words that I don't know. He's like, hey, yeah, they're kept in the sca- or the sacristy of the church of St. Sulpice beneath the rose. And Silas is like, thanks, bro. Pop, pop. And then he shoots the old man. And so, yeah, that's fun. So we're in France, in case you didn't realize. That's where the Louvre is. And I uh, so should never go to France.
1: Never. It's just wrong hey. that, like, this old-school monk who, like, is over here, like, chastising himself and Dude. beating himself just, like, if carries I... around a glock, and that's how he gets work done.
0: If I was an old-school monk, I would definitely be a flagellist. And I'm so excited that we finally watch a movie where I can use the term flagellist, because it sounds so dirty, and it's really not.
2: If I was an old-time monk, I'd still have flatulence.
0: Would you be a flatulent flagellist? <laughs>
2: I don't think I'd be a flagellist, but I would be flatulent.
0: I think you'd be a flatulent flagellist. I think you would you would be flatulent while you were flagelling yourself.
2: Huh. I was flagellating?
0: Across the city of love, gay Paris. our old pal, symbologist Robert Langdon, is in Paris as a guest lecturer because Paris also have universities. They're doing pretty good for a country. They've got a big glass pyramid and apparently at least one college. Robert Langdon is there teaching a lecture on symbols and the sacred feminine. And during a book signing after one of his lectures, he's contacted by the French police and summoned to the Louvre to view the crime scene. And that's where we see our first naked man. Because you see... <laughs> after Sonnier was shot, he used his own blood... To create a very intricate display to give Robert some clues, basically he turned himself into the Vitruvian Man, which is that famous sketch by Leonardo da Vinci of the naked man. To which I would argue, Mr. Saunier, uh, you probably could have got that point across without taking your underpants off.
2: Yeah, we could have gotten a point.
0: I mean, if the man was just spread out with the with the the pentagram on his heart or, or on his chest with blood. Uh, you know, I'd be like, okay, that's that's the Vitruvian Man. We got it. Thank you. But now nah, you you went. He wasn't messing around. He's like, if I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna go all the way. <laughs> I'm gonna go whole haul. He makes
1: that he makes that abundantly obvious. But all of his other hints are like wildly obscure. Would it be really weird?
0: I would have loved to see the scene play out where they filmed it two different ways. And one he kept his underpants off, and or and one he keeps his underpants on. And then the one that they have in the movie, and Robert Langdon comes up and be like. <sighs> I'd say it was the Vitruvian Man, but he didn't take his underpants off. Vitruvian Man doesn't have shorts on. (laughs) It's clearly something else. And then the
1: movie just would have ended right there.
0: Langdon does see this as the clue that it is. And we also meet Captain Bizou Fash, who is uh, questioning Langdon about what he thinks about this macabre uh, uh, art piece that this man has done in his dying moments. And Langdon's answering all his questions. It's just real stupid. This movie wasn't as good as, as Angels and Demons. Can I just say that at the top? It really wasn't.
2: Not nearly. Not nearly as good. And it but was I, blasphemous. And so, but I,
1: I also feel like there was a lot that they had to leave out just for the sake of time. There was several scenes that like put the yeah. story together a little bit more completely in the book. And I feel like uh, Angels and Demons just was able to summarize better.
0: I will say that Although my very first sermon I ever preached was on the fallacies behind the Da Vinci Code. uh, I still remember reading that book and enjoying it as a story. And I I didn't have that with this movie. I actually got bored with this movie. And I tried to play on my phone and then I realized that half the movie they were speaking French. So I kind of had to pay attention to the the (laughs) subtitles to understand what they were saying. So I couldn't even (laughs) distract myself. So this Captain Bazoo Fash, he's, he's like, I know it's Langdon, but he wants to he wants Robert Langdon to kind of incriminate himself because he thinks Robert Langdon is the killer. And the reason why he thinks he's the killer is because Sonia took a moment to draw uh, cryptic messages into his own blood that could only show up under UV light. And he wrote this long message, and underneath it said, P.S. Find Robert Langdon. But... Fash erased that last line. And so all that was left is this cryptid message that begins with the Fibonacci sequence. But it's not the Fibonacci sequence because the numbers are not in the correct order. So really, it's just a jumbled up line of of numbers. But Langdon goes, that's the Fibonacci sequence. It's not. It's not, though. You can't say... (laughs) You can't put all the numbers in pi in different orders and instead of going 4.13 whatever and say, oh, uh, or 3.14, and then say, no, it's 6.25967 and go, oh, that's pi. It's just out of order. No, that's not how numbers work. It's not the Fibonacci sequence, but whatever. <sighs> you have to be an,
1: an expert code breaker.
2: No, what you
0: need to do is have this magic vision that he has all throughout this movie that does not come back. In Angels and Demons, which is the second movie in the series, first movie in the books, or first movie in the story, where he can just CGI things out of the ground and have them float around his head like Rain Man trying to figure out how to cheat at poker and have all these things just, just move around in his weird little brain. And Kelsey, when we were watching that, the first time we saw that, he's looking at this out-of-order Fibonacci sequence, and all the numbers get up and move around and shift around to their right spots. And Kelsey goes, why didn't they do that in the last movie? And I said, oh, they had to get rid of his magic CGI vision because they didn't have the budget. They had to cut down the budget a little bit for the sequel. She goes, really? And I said, I don't know, probably. I don't know. Maybe Ron Howard looked at it and said, oh, this is dumb. While this is going on and Langdon's looking at the out-of-order Fibonacci sequence, the albino Silas is calling a mysterious man known as The Teacher, revealing that he has killed all four protectors of the Keystone, and they all confirmed the same location. And then he takes a moment to himself to uh, just beat the living snot out of his back. Butt naked. Second naked man of the movie. Back to back. Boom. And if you want to know what Paul Bettany's butt looks like, it's a lot like his face. Pasty and
1: unappealing. <laughs> <laughs> this whole movie, he just looks like completely dreadful. So
0: basically what he does is he's got this garter belt called a magic slice. And it's like this garter belt made of nails that he like tightens down on his thigh. So, And then he beats mm. himself. He flagellates himself with a, a whip because of all the murder that he committed. Because he's part of a sect of Christianity, if you can call them that, called flagellists that believe that your sins have to be paid with pain that is reminiscent of the pain Jesus suffered on the cross. So when Jesus died and the Bible tells us that he took away the sins of the world, they took that as, yeah, but I still need to hurt myself. After Silas gets done beating himself, Silas travels to uh, St. Saul Peace. <laughs> Pretty sure it's not called Saint Solpice. <laughs> Saint Solpice, and is admitted by an old lady nun, and he's left all alone. And so, what does he do? He does what everyone does when they're left alone in a big Catholic building—you just break the floor and find something neat underneath. <laughs> in this if I ever instance, make
2: my way into a Catholic. Uh, Catholic Church building again. I'm going to try that. I'm just going to pick a random spot and start pounding. In this in this instance, the albino
0: finds uh, a rock where the next clue should be that just reads Job 38.11. And then he confronts the nun and he's like, hey, what does Job 38.11 mean? And first of all, before I decide to become a monk and beat myself for a living, you better believe I would know the Bible forwards and backwards. If someone's like, hey, Zach, will you want to become one of these self uh monk guys? I'd be like, yeah, I would, but I'm trying to memorize the entire Bible before I do that. But I
1: digress, um, or at least
0: carry around, th- like, a little pocket Bible. That way, you could look up Bible verses when they come up.
1: Do you think he knew the verse, or did he I really have to ask the nuns? Did he grab a pew Bible? I mean... Like, on his way up there, and he's like... First of all, Catholics
0: 3811. do not have pew Bibles. They do not want oh, their <laughs> their worshipers to have access to the word of god are you kidding me
2: They're quite unfamiliar with that term actually bible do you, he was, do you think
1: he got on his his slide out flip phone and did a quick look, looked up google U search version. on that <laughs> Yeah
0: Uh but the nun knows He's the like, passage you to go get that nun You know the nun like all nuns have job 38:11 memorized who I which I couldn't tell you what that verse was from from for If you pointed a gun to my head before I watched this movie and said, Hey, Zach, what's Job 3811? I would be dead. But the nun wouldn't. <laughs> because she just blurts out right away, Hitherto shalt thou come, but no further. And Silas is like, Oh, so this is a trick. Y'all gave me a fake location. And so he's like, I'm sorry about this, Miss <laughs> Nun Lady. Whack! And he just beats the nun's brains out with the Job 3811 rock. We're then introduced to Sophie Neveo. How do you pronounce that name? I, I hate French names. Sophie Naveau, who is a cryptologist with the French police. You know, because every police department has their own cryptologist. Stupid. <laughs> it's dumb.
2: They've got one here in Rio Grande.
0: Is this going to turn into another argument like the, the Actors Guild one from, from uh, Borrowed Christmas? We're like, every town <laughs> has an Actors Guild. You'd be like, actually, Zach, I looked it up, and every police department is required to have a cryptologist on staff.
2: (sighs) Right on staff.
1: I guarantee you there's no cryptologist in Guam. (laughs) Although, if you are in a place like Paris, you know, got some history behind it, you might need a cryptologist.
0: No, but in Guam, they have a coconutologist.
1: That's right. When people murder each other with coconuts.
0: But that's the thing, though. They are trained to find out whether they died... Uh, were murdered with a coconut, or a coconut just fell on their head and killed them. Yeah, you never know. Some Since of those I things, man, determined. they can take you out. I think I discovered the, or solved the case, Chief. They put the lime in the coconut and then shook it all up.
2: Ooh.
0: So Sophie Naveau, a cryptologist with the French police, enters the Louvre and gives Langdon a cell phone. And Langdon's like, no thanks, I, I like my Android. No, this is 2006. No, thanks. I like my BlackBerry. I'm just going to keep that. But she's like, no, you idiot. Listen to the message. <sighs> For a symbologist, you sure are stupid. And so uh, he does, you know, he, he gets the phone out, listens to the message. Sophie's like, hey, uh, come meet me in the bathroom. And then Robert Langdon, I just like, he paused it, and he's like, I knew French women were, were kind of loosey-goosey with the old morals, but this is ridiculous. And then on the message, she's like, no, you idiot. Meet me in the bathroom because they're trying to frame you for this murder. And so, yeah, he goes in the bathroom, finds out that he has this GPS tracking dot in his pocket. And he's this primary suspect for the murder case of Sonia. Because, like I said, the erased blood that was under the UV
2: said, P.S., find Robert Langdon. But Sophie... Hey, guys. Hey, let me rejoin you here in a few minutes. I've had a couple members call, and I need to see if something's going on. Yeah. I'll I'll join back in here. Okay. But Sophie believes
0: that uh, Sanyer—he who's her grandpa, by the way, was trying to pass a hidden message to her, and he always called her Princess Sophie. So what, what Sonier was saying was Princess Sophie find Robert Langdon, which is kind of messed up because what if he really was just trying to put a postscript at the end of his... End of his thing. Like, he had nothing to do with Sophie if he was just like, oh, P.S., find Robert Langdon.
1: Just, uh, he's like, I got some extra blood left over here. I'll just wrap... P.S., don't take the milk... to this, just so it's clear.
0: Need milk and cat food. (laughs) (laughs) Sonia was like, clearly my grandpa wanted to bring you in on this quest, and so, uh, you can help me crack... The Da Vinci Code that my grandpa... Okay, had time to set up. We gotta talk about these movies and timelines again. Last week, we discovered that these movies take place in a universe where time lasts for as long as it needs to. It doesn't last a logical length of time, but it is just as long or as short as it needs to. For example, a man is dying and bleeding out. Enough blood that he can write out 47,000 messages. Basically, you know recreate the entire book of Psalms in his blood before he dies. He has time to run all over the, the, the museum somehow and and bleed on different paintings and write different messages and he has all this stuff planned out in his head. is is the stupidest part about this movie is that this guy had this plan, this code written out in his head this entire time and that he had the
1: time to do it uh, and write these messages out before he died. I feel like if you were the king of a secret society that was guarding... World-changing secrets. You probably would have imagined your death and what you'd have to do.
0: I'm just saying probably it. Just, yeah. Seems awfully convenient. What if? What if? What if the the albino shot him in the head? Then what? would, what would have happened? His granddaughter was just well, in trouble. Well, would have been when, the end. Yeah. Bye,
1: bye, Sophie. These, ki- yeah, these killers aren't like very. They don't do a good job cleaning up. Like this happened in the last movie too. They always like shoot the guy in the gut, and then he ends up living. Or the dude in the the pool. <laughs> he, it's like, yeah, I'll drown you, but uh, didn't get the job done. And then he outs him, and then you know they fail their mission. Like shoot people in the head. The moral of this movie and the last is shoot people in the head and make sure they're dead if you're committing crimes of world-altering consequence.
0: And then you know y- your plans don't get thwarted. I mean, yeah, that's what they teach you in Secret Society 101, day one. Uh, So what they end up doing is taking this little GPS tracking dot that was in Robert's pocket, and Sophie apparently played on the French softball team because she made a wonderful shot into the back of a dump truck from, like, a third-story window on the Louvre. She was just (laughs) like, and then right in there. So all the French police guys are like, mon dieu, Robert Langdon, he's running away. And so they get all in their cars. (laughs) They get all in their cars and they chase after them. Well, all except for one cop because that's how murder scenes work. If, if if the GPS tracking dot is flying away, they leave the murder scene completely, completely (laughs) void of any kind of police officer, except for one lone beat cop who wanders around and is just enjoying (laughs) the night in the museum where he can check out the art without the tourists.
1: They left the, uh, the security guards to watch over the issues
0: they go back to the body of her grandfather she pays her last respects and they read the message that's written in blood and what is being read is the words oh draconian devil oh lame saint and that's actually an anagram
2: Hello, Black Betty.
0: anagram uh it's actually an anagram <laughs> Which, when the letters are rearranged, spells out Leonardo da Vinci and the Mona Lisa. Now, my question is: oh. Did he have that anagram already worked out, or was that kind of like a last-minute spark of genius as his lifeblood was flowing onto the floor? I feel like you would have to be slightly
1: genius to be the king of a secret society.
0: And so they run over to the da Vinci or Leonardo da Vinci's Mona Lisa, and they stare at it for a while, wondering what she's smiling at. And then after they <laughs> wonder that for a minute. They search around because they all have UV flashlights now. Robert just keeps one in his back pocket for for emergencies.
2: <laughs> hey, where do you get one of those, by the way?
0: Um, you can get one at a pet store to help you find urine. Really? Yeah, it's a true story. Uh. Kelsey used to work for PetSmart, and they had one in the office that was, like, returned and taken out, and she brought it home, and it was just this UV flashlight. It doesn't work. Do you want to know what wow. pet urine under a UV... Light on carpet looks like? What's Light, that? Slightly purple tinged carpet. Hmm. Do you know what? I think carpet, I'm going to get one taken
2: to the carpet. You know what carpet that wasn't peed on looks like? Uh, slightly tinged purple carpet.
0: Yep. It's really, really unhelpful. <laughs> and first of all, blood is only only shines under uv light if it's sprayed with a chemical product called luminol that's how they do use uv lights in forensic investigations but they also spray crime scenes mm-hmm. with luminol and i don't know I don't if that's know. true but that's how they do it on csi and so that's how i'm and that's what i'm going with and uh underneath the uh painting of the mona lisa they see another message that reads so dark the con of man and that turns out to be another um, anagram, almost didn't do it that time, but uh, which uh, stands for Madonna of the Rocks, another da Vinci painting found at the Louvre. Near the second painting, they find a key with a fleur-de-lis on it, which is, uh, you may know those if you were in Weebelos, because Weebelos are secret French sleeper agents, let me ask a question here, too, because this grandpa's supposed to be, like, super smart, and he's like, oh, I've got this plan to let Sophie know uh, about my secret society. As long as when I'm shot and murdered, I have time, uh, before I bleed out, to run all over my museum and paint on the walls with my blood. <laughs> and, and I need time to take all my clothes off, because the last thing I want uh, my granddaughter to see is my naked, wrinkly body.
2: Hey, you're throwing holes in the script here, buddy.
0: But he didn't Well um But he didn't think to himself yeah. You know, when someone's murdered, usually cops show up. Maybe I shouldn't leave all my clues scattered around an active crime scene and just hope that they let my granddaughter and her new boyfriend run around and and you know, tamper with the evidence.
1: And I mean, why would he leave his key there? Because the next time they took that painting down for cleaning and Robert hadn't found it, then somebody else is going to find it. <laughs> and then the, First of all, the, you know um, for a fact that everyone
0: was, Robert was going to find it. You get Robert Langdon on a case, man, you should see that man fill out a crossword puzzle. It's nuts. It's this just, makes me wonder how many CGI secret messages I'm
1: and, missing in life.
0: None. You're missing none. Maybe I'm supposed to. Maybe
1: people are leaving clues for me, and I'm just like completely oblivious to them because I'm too dumb. And like all these secret treasures are hiding around that I was supposed to find them, and I haven't found any of them.
0: That's one of the most narcissistic comments I've ever heard anyone make. You think that you're consequential enough that people are leaving secret clues for you anywhere?
1: Well, well, Robert Langdon didn't think he was consequential enough. No, Robert Langdon knew he was consequential enough.
2: I mean so you sum know, this if... up, Luke. Who do you think you are? No, who do
0: you someone? think? You know, that's a reason why I don't walk around my house or, or, or my my life going, huh, I wonder where all the secret clues are. Nobody cares about me. No one wants to get tell me a secret.
1: Nobody. Yeah, but he didn't really care about Robert Langdon. It was just he was the convenient dude to get the job done. And maybe people are, like, dying around me. And you know like, what no, I need? I have to leave the secret clues, and I'm just, like, walking by I'm like, uh.
0: I need, That's lost forever. <laughs> I need an unemployed preacher to help me to dis- decipher decipher <laughs> decipher this Bible mystery. <laughs> I
2: think
0: I think you're missing the point. Okay, in all seriousness, you're over in a foreign country, let's say Albania, and an old man is naked and murdered, and wrote your name in blood beside him. What uh-huh. do you do? Do you go on the quest that he's sending you on? Or do you just go nah. Yeah for sure.
1: No, not me. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's the decision about being in history versus reading about history. No, so it's the to.
0: decision of am I gonna put mm. my freedom at risk for an old man who just made me look at his naked PP.
2: Well and the answer to that, that is point, nine they, times out of ten
0: nine times out of ten the answer to that question is no. Well, never say never, inception. but if somebody exposes themselves to me, I'm not going on their quest. <laughs> what, if it- <laughs>
2: <laughs> what if it's your You're telling me!
0: They get to the United States Embassy. It's surrounded. United States Embassy surrounded by police. Good thing. Uh, Sophie definitely passed her maneuverability test to get her driver's license because she is able to drive her little Mini Cooper backwards all through the the crowded streets of, of Paris. Now, don't get me wrong. She still hits like 54 cars in this escape, but none of them stop her. She's fine. Everything's great. Uh, and they are able to – es- I don't
2: even think there were dents or scratches on the Mini Cooper.
0: No, oh, I mean the the whole mirror when it got knocked it's, off, that's it's fine. It's a
2: mirror. And so, uh, no, that was
0: somebody else's mirror. Are able to escape, uh, to this park called the Boy de Boulogne. I guess B O I S D E B O U L O G N E. We're just gonna call it the Boys de Baloney. Where Langdon finally gets a good look at that key and he notices an inscription on the side, it's an address. And the address directs them to the Depository Bank of Zurich, where they find out that this key is used for a safety deposit box. And this is, you know, just one of your standard French banks where a robot in 2006 gets this plastic box down for you and puts it on a conveyor belt. You know, those those old song and dance. They've been around forever. And in this bank, they find old, dead Saunier's deposit box. And they open it using... The Fibonacci sequence in order. They type in 1123581321. And inside the box, they find a rosewood container, which contains a cryptex, which is a cylinder container with five alphabetical dials, which must be arranged in the correct sequence to spell out a five letter code word in order to access the parchment message that's written inside. If you force it open, it would break a vial of vinegar, which would dissolve the parchment and destroy the message. Two problems with this. Number one, vinegar cannot instantly dissolve papyrus. It's impossible. It it, it would take hours for hydrofluoric acid to dissolve papyrus. So you could just force this thing open. You'd be fine. I mean, it smelled like vinegar, but vinegar kind of smells good every once in a while. And number two, why didn't they find a freezer? All they had to do was put this thing in a freezer for a couple hours, wait till the vinegar froze, then they could bust it open. Can you but freeze vinegar? That,
2: how yeah. much of that time would take off with the two hours and forever minutes? What temperature does it freeze at?
0: Scott, when you were gone dealing with your your members, Uh, we've already discussed that these movies take place in a universe, much like we discovered last week, where time does not matter. Where everything lasts just as long or just as short as you need them to last. So they could have popped that in the freezer for two minutes and been like, oh, four hours have passed.
2: Hey, it's quite possible. 28 degrees Fahrenheit for uh, vinegar.
0: Okay, so it's actually... Yeah just below 32. It wouldn't it was take good. that long.
1: That's good thinking. Uh, again, I keep looking up can vinegar dissolve papyrus and everyone's like, "Nah, that's crap."
0: <laughs> I know. <laughs> now, keep in mind when Da Vinci invented the codex, there was no freezers. But vinegar still couldn't dissolve papyrus back then. So, <laughs> hey, Bubba the Boobie, it it's me, uh, another camel Da Vinci. To the Arctic. Uh, I invented a safe to keep the messages safer. They put the little a vinegar pizza. in there. It's made out of papyrus. You read the message, break the vinegar, put the little salt on top. Oh, what's that? I invented a laser. Potato chips. Ha ha ha. Da Vinci. Um <laughs> Okay, so luckily their grandpa paid or Sophie's grandpa paid for the super-secret deluxe passage package at this bank that also includes a safe passage clause. <laughs> Their words, not mine. There was a clause in the contract of this deposit place, this bank, that says, hey, if the cops ever show up while I'm here, you have to get me out of here safely. This is my
2: favorite part of the movie right here. I'm pretty sure... The remember, escape clause.
0: Do you guys remember the words do ex machina? We discovered them last week. Remember what that means, Scott? I forget. Luke?
2: You had a vocabulary uh, I lesson can't last what it week? it
1: means, but it's when you, like, create a set of circumstances to get you out of a particular yes. set of circumstances. It's a convenient this actually-
0: plot device that allows your characters to get out of a otherwise... Uh, Unescapable predicament, and it comes basically out of nowhere. Oh, the police are coming in the front door. Better use this escape
1: clause. That's dumb.
0: It's I, real dumb. I th-
1: no, I didn't- Actually, this wasn't the the X Machina moment that hit me the most. Um, oh,
0: they had I several. Was-
1: <laughs> I mean, if you're if you're in a secret society of world-changing consequence, like you, you, you have some illegal connections and backdoors that you set up, right? So I like, I mean, he's clearly paying the hefty price, so I was like, mm, this is—I—I I thought it was believable.
2: Oh, go ahead. You have a duex machina in golf. In golf. It's called a mulligan.
1: That's. It's not this.
2: It's not the same thing. And in Monopoly, get out of jail free card. That's still not the same thing. So the two ah, X, the two X machina is unexpected.
0: Scott, it's like no, it's like you're in a well, and you can't get out. But then suddenly you turn around. There's a ladder that you didn't notice before. Yeah. That's not a mulligan. A mulligan and get out of jail free are both are both set in the rules from the beginning. They're not just a convenient plot device. Everyone knows you have a mulligan if you're playing that way in golf, and everyone knows the get-out-of-jail-free cards are part of the game.
2: I didn't before I did, though. But in Monopoly... It would be like if Monopoly
0: didn't have get-out-of-jail-free cards, and then you went to jail in Monopoly, and then all of a sudden you reached in your pocket and discovered a magical card that you never saw before that said get-out-of-jail-free.
2: That would be a Macarena.
0: Yes, it'd be the 2X Macarena. (sighs) (laughs) So, the bank manager gets Sophie and Langdon in the back of his armored truck and is able to get past the police who arrived at the bank because the security guard called them for some reason. Don't know. I feel like if you have a shady bank... Uh, that has backdoor clauses and escape clauses, your security guard wouldn't call the cops the first chance he got. Just feel like that would be, like, rule number one. Like, hey, you don't call the cops. We deal with everything in-house. But anyways, hey, get him in this bag of this armored car. And, and Robert's having a, having a bad time in the back of this, this armored car because Robert doesn't like tight spaces. He doesn't like elevators, and now he doesn't like armored cars. But it's cool because Sophie just kind of smushes his head in her hands, and then he feels better. It's great. Uh then they she have a, me oggy him. I don't know, it was dumb. Uh but uh they have a discussion about the crypt text while in the back of this car. And uh Langdon's like I don't know what's in this crypt text, but it's probably valuable information or another clue about what they're trying to discover. And eventually they come to a sudden stop in the middle of the woods and the bank manager's like hey, I'm gonna kill you and take that crypt text for some reason cuz he's part of the secret society too, but he's on the other side. But then Langdon's like no you're not. Whack, he just pops him right in the dome with the back of the security guard door, long enough for him and Sophie to get in the driver's seat, and they just drive away. It's real fun. As they're driving, Sophie's like, Where are we going to go, Mr. Langdon? And Robert's like, Please, Mr. Langdon was my father. Call me Rob. Uh, we're going to go to my friend, Lee T. Bang. <sighs> Lee T. Bang. That's his name. Lee <laughs> T. Bang. Dan Brown is terrible at coming up with words. Remember how last week we talked about how the guy who was Italian's last name started with Olive, Olivetti? Now we have the British guy whose last name starts with T. <laughs> I am so very surprised I, that Robert Langdon's name isn't actually Robert Codeman. You know what I'm shocked at? It's Robert Puzzle so Code. Apparently,
1: apparently this bank manager uh works for the other side right which is a very powerful institution why don't they just buy this this institution and take the box and steal the box he's ready to shoot robert langdon or have him rot in the back of an armored truck why doesn't he just steal the box in the first place because,
0: even, of course, he has access to them. I don't think. I don't think he does, though. I think the system set up that if you, because he said if you lose your code, there's no way to get the box. So if he's like, uh, "Is there any way I can get my code?" He's like, "Nah. If you don't have your code, you're out of luck. There's no way to get these codes, except for whenever we update our our security and uh, installed the robot in that back room. So clearly, we have a way to get back to the boxes.
1: <laughs> yes, yeah, like. Yeah, it's like you did maintenance on this place.
0: Like, how do you get in there? But nope, not, not us. We we had to build another robot to build the robot that gets the boxes out of the back room. <laughs> and so he's like, hey, let's go to my buddy, uh, Mr. T-Bang. Maybe he can help us open this cryptex. So it turns out that that Lee T-Bang um, is Gandalf from the Lord of the Rings clean shaven. It's what Gandalf does in the off-season. He pretends to have multiple sclerosis and... Uh, is a historian, and what does he like more than anything? The Holy Grail, of course. That he's he's gonna try to find the Holy Grail. This movie's dumb. Uh, but he goes, listen, the Grail's not a cup, because the French word for Holy Grail is Sangreal, which, if you separate Sang and real, means royal bloodline in Latin or something. I don't know. I wasn't paying that much attention. But the Holy Grail's not a cup, but it's actually Mary Magdalene. Who was driven away because Jesus' followers didn't want to follow a woman after their leader was killed. Dallas Langdon spoke to Dan Brown. I know it. It's the only... Dallas Dallas Jenkins and Dan Brown... His dad is actually Dan Brown. I'm convinced of him. His dad didn't read the Left Behind series. He wrote The Da Vinci Code. And he's like, Dad, look, I'm going to get all these Christians on my side, and then I'm going to make Mary the the Pope. So basically, the whole secret is Mary Magdalene's The Holy Grail, the bloodline of Jesus, because she was pregnant at the time that Jesus was killed. And who was Mary Magdalene's baby daddy? None other than Jesus himself.
2: <sighs> yeah. This is where I went and read some of the cotton Patch. <laughs> so I could try to get everything cleared up.
0: Now, listen, it, it doesn't say that Jesus and Mary had an affair. It does say that Mary and Jesus were married, so it doesn't make Jesus sin in this story, which is the only thing that makes it any more palatable to swallow other than the blatant lies. But, man, it is filled with some blatant lies in here. For example, I was just reading a, a, a book about uh, the witchcraft, or the witch trials that were going on for about three hundred years in Middle Eng or, or in England, and then transferred over to the early Americas. And in this movie, they said uh, that the witch trials were actually the Catholic Church trying to kill any free thinking woman. And in the in the movie, Robert Langley goes, "They killed fifty thousand women." And then Gandalf goes, "Actually, some people think it's closer to a million guys." The real number is 500. Over the course of 300 years, 500 women. And 300 of those women were all killed by one guy.
1: Yeah, but don't you realize that's what they want you to believe? <laughs>
0: No, I'm not. I'm not. I don't deny the fact that the, the the witch trials were probably women who were trying to get some more freedom. We're, we're trying to kind of upset the patriarchy a little bit, and that's why they were killed. I'm not denying that, but I'm also not saying that it wasn't this million woman
1: slaughter fest. Well, that's what the the um, news that's media. What the, said. You almost I said that's what the devil women, wants you to but believe. But they were actually out murdering. Luke millions. almost said that's Even what the devil wants sure. you to believe. <laughs> no, I didn't believe the, oh, the uh yeah, that was the mainstream media, you know, fudging right. the numbers. Gotcha, got the world
0: right because those those liberals Actually, that wrote the book that I was reading, uh, they really wanted to paint uh, those guys
1: in the best light possible. Um, when were the? Ri- the witch trials were in 1692, uh, right. population of USA in 1700. Well, the population was 250,000 in the United States at that time. So they were running, after they killed those million women, uh, they were running at negative 750,000. The Salem witch trials,
0: first of all, didn't burn anyone at the stake. 19 people were hanged for witchcraft and five others died in custody. So they took the 300 that were killed in the entire witch business for th- oh, that took place over 300 years and they said, hey, those 500 women, uh, they were actually 50,000 or a million. I mean, there's, there's, you know, embellishing the truth and then there's also blowing it way out of proportion to the point where it's ludicrous. And I mean the rapper. That's what ludicrous is. He's the witch trials blown way out of proportion. Mary Magdalene gave birth to Jesus' baby, but the Catholics wanted to kill Mary because they didn't want no women folk telling them what to do. So, a secret society was formed. The Priory of Sion, along with its military arm, the Knights Templar, was formed to protect the descendants of Jesus. Jacques Saunière was believed to be part of this society, and T-Bang suspects that he was training Sophie to join it as well. As a child, Sophie lived with Saunière until she ran away at, like, six. And that's when the albino shows up. He found out about T-Bang's house. He just happens to show up at the same time that Robert and Sophie got there because... Yeah. And, uh... T-Bang, who is a, a paralytic, he's got two canes, just beats the living snot out of Silas. And then Sophie comes behind and grabs Silas's stupid blonde hair and bashes his head into the ground about 57 times.
1: That so, was a pro move. I mean, I, I can't yeah. imagine myself just being like, oh, I need to smash this guy's head against the floor and not even giving it a second thought. And she was like, done. <laughs>
0: But do you know who else shows up right about this time? Ah, the police. Because, you know.
2: The po po. Because... So Silas
1: is in the same place as the police. No one knows how he gets there as fast as he does because seemingly he's on foot, but he beats the police by like 30 minutes.
0: Well, everyone knows albinos have magical powers and they can fly.
1: <laughs> like unicorns? Right.
0: So, the police got there because the armored truck had a tracking device on it, Robert, you moron. Of course it did. Who steals a vehicle and then drives it to their safe house? From a secret bank. You don't think the bank has a tracking number or a tracking device on their car? You don't think that they they splurge for a robot that magically brings you your box, but they wouldn't spring the $200 put LoJack on their van? The cops come... And the group escapes in T-Bang's plane because, of course, he has a plane. And they follow the next clue to Jolio, London town, they do. Chip, chip, cheerio. Oh, and by the way, they have Silas tied up this whole time. (laughs) They're just like, come on, albino buddy, you're coming with us now. (laughs) What did did they plan to do with him? I don't know. I would have just locked him in a closet at the house somewhere. Why? They didn't have to take him with them. No. (laughs) It's... It's like ah, throw them in the back. They find the glue that leads them to London underneath the rose-carved wooden box's lid, the one that had the cryptex in it. The message that which they had to read using a mirror said, "Uh, they need to find a knight, a pope, interred, as in buried." They get to London, and the London police are waiting on them because, of course, they are because they were tipped by the French that fugitives were on board t-bing's private jet but uh you know they they just jump out of the plane when all the policemen are looking and run to the back of a car and hide in the back seat is and then t-bing gets off he's like i've got a doctor appointment to keep and i'm gandalf they're
1: like oh i'm sorry i didn't realize we're gandalf go ahead is that, like, what it's like to be rich? Like, you just tell the police, like, go away. I don't have yeah, time for I'm you. Yeah,
0: I'm pretty <laughs> sure that if the cops stop your plane and, like, we're pretty sure murderers are on board, you'd be like, well, I've got your doctor's appointment to keep. Here, have a tin of biscuits and a 20. Well, let him go. <laughs> he knew the secret code. A tin of biscuits and a 20 gets you out of trouble in England. Um, They do get away. So, anyways, they believe that they know where to find... This night. It's in this creepy church with a bunch of creepy gargoyle faces. And Sophie's looking around and says what everybody says whenever they enter a Catholic church. Going, why did they make them so creepy? I don't know, Sophie. I don't know. They're a weird group of people. Uh, But uh, they realize that there aren't any knights there because they're just effigies. You know? And so Robert's like, man, Mr. T-Bang, we've got to go to the library and do a little research and figure this out. But that's when uh, uh, Silas comes in with a gun. And Silas is like, no, you're not going anywhere. Because, uh-oh, the butler, Mr. T-Bank's butler had been driving him around and getting him on the plane and doing all this stuff. He's just been undercover this whole time for the bad guys. And he lets Silas out. And Silas is like a mad dog without a chain. He's just barking, ready to go. And and Sophie's taken hostage for a minute. And Robert's like, no, don't kill her. She's pretty. And uh old old T-Bang gets knocked down, which isn't hard because he's a cripple. And, you know, it's just a real big scene. They say, we're going to put T-Bang in the back of this trunk, right? And, uh... Hello, everyone. This is Zach from the future uh, in the editing bay. The they... Uh, that you're about to hear refers to t butler and Silas. They're now on the same side. They double-crossed Robert Langdon, T-Bing, and Sophie. It's a confusing movie, it's very difficult to summarize, and uh, we didn't do a great job. So, you may hear me again uh, before the end of this episode, but I just wanted to let you know that they, uh, meaning Silas and and the butler, shoved T-Bang in the back of T-Bang's car, and Sophie and Robert were able to get away after the scuffle. Bye! Silas is dropped off at this random house somewhere. Oh Yeah. <laughs> and turns out the butler's the bad guy. Robert and Sophie manage to run away and get on a bus because they need to go to the library to find out where this real uh, knight knight's tomb is that a pope interred, uh, buried. Um, and then next scene we see is like the butler's on the gr- or, or is talking. And he's like, "Man, this is great. We fooled him. We fooled these fools. We got it. We're pr- we're gonna find this holy grail. It's gonna be awesome." And don't worry, he's talking to this person off camera. We don't know who he's talking to. He's like, don't worry, Mr. Person Off Camera. No one's going to even know your name. I'm going to take your name to the grave. And that guy's like, yeah, you already hands him a flask. He takes a drink. He's poisoned. Turns out
1: that Mr. T-Bang is the teacher. He's the ultimate bad guy. Oof. So the teacher, for any... I don't know if we explained this. The teacher is the one who's giving Silas his directions. And now I remember why he let him out. Yes for anyone else who is as confused as me. Yes.
0: So, Langdon doesn't know this yet. They are on a bus going to a library to look something up, but then Langdon's like, oh, it's 2006, we have rudimentary smartphone technology that has access (laughs) to the world's slowest internet. Excuse me, Mr. English Sir, can I please take your phone from you? He does, he looks it up, he finds out where they need to go. They need to go to Sir Isaac Newton's tomb. Sir Isaac Newton, he was knighted, and who pre- or who uh, was the person that was presided over his funeral? Alexander Pope, of course. You big stupid idiot! How did you not know that? A Pope. Oh snap! The next clue is at Newton's tomb at Westminster Alley. Or- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that alley. Westminster Abbey. So Silas, by the way, is at this house everyone realizes that the person that probably killed all the people in France is probably this creepy albino guy that's been running around killing people. And so the cops are coming to get him. But he he commits suicide by police. He points an empty gun at them and they shoot him and he's dead. He does.
1: It's police-assisted suicide. It's a thing. I feel like, I don't think, he was intending to die because he took down what three of them.
0: <laughs> yeah, he does, he does do a little uh Bible John Wick here and just shoots three cops, and then the cops kill him. And that's the end of Silas. Langdon's getting closer to solving the mystery. He finally arrives at Da Vinci's tomb, Sir Isaac Newton's tomb is what I meant to say. Again, it's real confusing. Sorry, talk to you later. And that's when T-Bang somehow got there before them. And is like, hey, I'm Gandalf, I'm magic, that's how. He's like, you're going to help me expose the world, we're going to be free of Christianity, because you know everyone's going to believe Robert Langdon when he says, hey, Jesus had a child. Everyone's going to believe it. And Robert's like, you're... It's cold hard facts. He's like, Robert, you're right, because everyone believes everything. Even if there's so much facts that back up the truth. That's why no one in this world believes that it's flat. Everyone believes the world's round. No one honestly believes the world is flat because of all of the empirical evidence that the world is round. Everyone listens to empirical evidence all the time. This makes perfect sense, T-Bang. You are a genius. But, unfortunately, Langdon is able to get away from... T Bang by throwing the cryptex in the air and T Bang wants it or wants it in order to, to find where the Holy Grail is, to find where the crypt of Mary Magdalene is. I don't think like we're doing a good job to describe what this movie is, but I'm doing my best. It's a real confusing movie. Read the book. It's pretty good. Anyways, he throws the vial in the air and but T Bang catches it, but he drops it and the vial of vinegar breaks and the document's destroyed. Oh man, And then T-Bing's arrested because everybody's like, oh, okay. And then Robert is not questioned by the French police. He's not taken into custody for questioning (laughs) at all. He has been just a murder suspect on the run for the past two and a half days, but he's fine to just run around wherever he wants to go, and so is Sophie. It's all good. They're no longer wanted by anybody. And it turns out that Langdon... (laughs) just so happened to get the crypt text open and get the little paper clue out of there before he threw it up in the air. So T-Bang's arrested, Silas is dead, and they have the final clue. They're finally going to find the Holy Grail. yippity skippity doo da.
1: The code... Yes. So for anyone who's confused, because I feel like it does take a few minutes to put the pieces together. So the crypt text holds the clue to find Mary Magdalene's dead body, which they need to get the DNA to do the empirical testing to prove that there's actually a living descendant. So that's what they're up to.
0: Because everyone knows that if you find a dead body, it from the ancient world, it has to be someone important. There's no way that a dead body from the first century could just be some random person that they put in a fancy cow <laughs> coffin. <laughs> Anyways, the final message says, The Holy Grail neath ancient Rosalind waits. The blade and chalice watch o'er her gates. Adorned by master's loving art, she lies. As she rests beneath the starry skies. And I'm like, calm down there, Dr. Seuss. (laughs) You already put your message inside of 14 different crypt texts and 37 anagrams that we had to solve. We've had to go to three different countries. Can't you just tell us, like, hey, here's the address. You did it. You won. You get the chocolate factory. You win. Why? (laughs) That's stupid. Anyways, they finally are like, oh, obviously, the word Rosalind is there. It must be Rosalind Chapel in Scotland. And they get there, and they find a secret underground chamber and all of these documents that is basically Mary Magdalene's family tree throughout thousands of years leading up to Sophie. Hey, did you know Sophie was actually the last living uh, heir of Christ? If you didn't, now you do. And if you didn't get that by now, you're a dumb, dumb idiot. You're a dumb idiot. (laughs) Maybe not from listening to this. You're not going to understand anything. No one's going to listen to this episode. It doesn't make (laughs) any sense. (laughs) But I'm still going to put it out. But if you're watching this movie, and if, like, five minutes in, like, the moment you realize that that the, the Holy Grail is the last living relative of Jesus, if you don't go, I, it's Sophie. You're dumb. You're a dumb idiot. Of course it's Sophie. Who else was it going to be? <laughs> Robert? <a> <laughs> it
1: could have been Robert.
0: Uh, but they get there, and Mary Magdalene's tomb has been removed. The tomb is gone. Oh. I guess they don't get to see the dead corpse of her great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandmother. But as they go upstairs, the the, the the chapel, Rosalind's chapel, is just filled with a bunch of people. Which tells me that all of these people had nothing else to do and lived within ten minutes of this place. This is the Priory of Scion, the protectors of the Holy Grail. The, the, the guard sees Sophie walks in. And texts them all. The guard over the or, or over Rosalind's chapel, or the tour guide, or whatever he is, he texts all the people the prior sign like, "Hey, uh, I'm pretty sure the Holy Grail just walked in." And they all dropped their pints and their sheep shears and just rushed over to that that place because they got there in like ten minutes. Ten minutes. None of these that was people. A very
1: stereotypical comment.
0: Yeah, that's that's like half well, the comedy on this show,
1: Luke. Well. Don't you think that they're doing a, a great job at their job because they're supposed to be hiding secrets and they're, like, the most inconspicuous people of all time?
0: I think that... If like, they're you would to be never think, like,
1: oh, the Holy Grail's
0: here. If they're supposed to be protecting the Holy Grail, one, they don't know who it is. Terrible job. Secret so is supposed to be protecting the Holy Grail. How are you supposed to protect something you don't know who it is? Because Sonia uh, made it seem like the Holy Grail died in a car accident with her parents. So... They don't know who it is, and second of all, they're all in one place. They're all in Scotland. They didn't know where the Holy Grail was. She was in France for the last twenty years, and none of you were there to protect her this entire time and she was almost killed by Gandalf and Albino. <laughs> her
1: grandfather was there. No,
0: he wasn't. Oh, wait, no, he wasn't.
1: <laughs> well, they they of course had some secret members planted in France.
0: And, by the way, the reason why Sophie and her grandpa don't talk anymore, one, her grand—her grandpa didn't tell her that she was the Holy Grail because, man, you would just be insufferable. If you knew you were the last living relative of Christ, you would just be insufferable. Uh, did you do your homework? Uh, actually, Miss Teacher, I did not. I'm the last living relative of Jesus, so I'm not going to be doing that anymore. Hey, uh, I don't think you're talented enough to be on the cheerleading team this year. Uh, Actually, I'm pretty sure I am. Check the bloodline. You would just be insufferable. And not only that... Do you know who I am? Not only that, but Mary... First of all, there could be living relatives of Jesus alive right now. He had brothers and sisters.
1: No, they they had the family lines. They were all dead. They all died in the Crusades, probably.
0: <laughs> no, because in order for this whole entire theory to work, Mary had to be a virgin. Mary who? Mary, the mother of oh, God, yeah. could not have any other children oh, yeah. except for Jesus.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, which so the Bible clearly
0: the says head. that didn't happen. So the whole thing is flawed right from the premise. Anyway, okay, so I have
1: two questions. The first question is. So the the Priory of Sion does know that she's the Holy Grail, right? I mean, Yeah, now they do.
0: Wow, well, because her grandma was part of the Priory of Sion and she recognized Sophie. Her grandma hadn't seen Sophie for like 20 years, and yet she recognizes Sophie. She's like, "Yep, last time I saw her, she was 6 years old, but now she's a grown woman. That's her." Cuz that's how that works
1: so she knows that she's the Holy Grail right now she does sophie does or 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 do they only know because they found the tomb uh, well no, o- that wouldn't tell them that she was the Holy Grail they only they know the, they had the papers
0: they only know because she showed up at the place and the doorman texted everybody
1: yeah but they they know that she's the, the she's a descendant of Jesus right but they can't... All those guys. Well, yeah,
0: they have the documents, but they can't know for sure because the body of Mary Magdalene, Sonier hide or hid those and didn't tell anyone else their location before he died. So they couldn't do DNA testing against okay. Sophie to prove gotcha. empirically that she is, in fact, descendant from Jesus.
1: Okay. <laughs> so now that makes sense. So my other observation is this woman's, like, 30? Middle mm-hmm. 30s, maybe? Like... Um, If I was the Priory of Scion, maybe I'd worry less about, like, hiding. Uh, What I'm saying is, like, I'd be getting this woman married. Like, go have some children. Can you, like, at the very least, freeze a couple (laughs) embryos just in case? Like, who let this woman get 35 and not have any kids? Sonye. It seems like that would be the thing I would do if you're going to protect the bloodline.
0: Sophie finds out it's the last living bloodline. She's like, what am I supposed to do with this? Am I supposed to blow up the church's spot right now? And Robert's like, hey, when I was a kid, I prayed once. So maybe you shouldn't do that. And she's like, okay, I won't. (laughs) And then... They joke around about whether or not Jesus's blood gives you miracles. It doesn't. And then Rob was like, "Hey, remember when you squished my head in the back of the van? You cleared my, you you cured my claustrophobia. Never, I'm gonna be scared again because you squished my head." And then Sophie jokingly tries to walk on water, which I actually laughed at that. It was a pretty funny joke because she just climbs up on a wall and there's like a pond there, and she just sticks her foot lightly on top, but it goes through the water, and she's like, "Nah, maybe I'll do better with turning water into wine." I was like, "All right, that's a pretty funny joke. I like that." Back in Paris, because Robert goes back to Paris, because the last time he was there, everything went real good. If I was Robert Langdon, the second the police let me go, I'd be flying home. I'd be like, I'm done with this Europe crap. I am going home. Leave me alone. <laughs> but, nah, Robert's a professional, so he goes back to Paris, and he accidentally cuts himself while shaving. And he... Looks at the blood in the sink, and he's like, "Oh, it looks like a bloodline." And then he reminds himself that the the poem said something about a rose line. Now, the rose line we didn't mention because it really wasn't that important. Was the first prime meridian, uh, the first start of a new day uh, when they were mapping out the globe. It was called it's called the, the rose line. And so Robert's like, "Hold on a second, Rosalind, the the temple at Ro- or the the church of Rosalind in Scotland." Yeah, that's where she was. But now, Rosalind, Roseline, they kind of sound familiar. And he's like, oh, I know where the Holy Grail's at. It's back in the Louvre. And so he runs to the Louvre. And there's a little pyramid underneath the big pyramid in front of that museum. And Mary's underneath there. And how do we know that? Because, Because Ron Howard takes us on a CGI adventure beneath the little pyramid. And there's the crypt of Mary Magdalene. With a light shining on her. Where's that light coming from? Where's that Where's that light coming from? And Heaven. Langdon kneels above Mary Magdalene's tomb as the Knights Templar did before him. And it's real dumb. Thank goodness that's the end. I, if you listen to it to this point, you have more perseverance and patience than anyone I know. And I love you. And if you email me at rottenorrighteous at gmail.com, I will Venmo you $100. And I'm not even joking. (laughs) If you were the first to email me at rottenorrighteous at (laughs) gmail.com, I will Venmo you. Scott will Venmo you $100. (laughs) If you think for a minute that I'm not going to get off this thing and email myself... So that way, I can honestly say when people email me, I'm sorry, you're not the first. You're out of your mind.
2: I've already put it on Facebook.
0: No, you didn't. You don't know how Facebook works, Scott. You're old. All right. Does anybody else want to say anything about this stupid, stupid movie? Yeah, I do.
2: Which movie's better? This one. Does anybody else want to say
0: something? I'm scared, Scott. No,
2: seriously. Anybody else? (laughs) What, Scott? Is this the worst movie we've watched?
0: No. Oh. Not even close to the worst movie we've watched. Like, not even in the top 10 of the worst movies we've watched. It's in in
2: my top five. Really? You didn't like it at
0: all? Christmas, Mississippi, or Christmas in Mississippi, uh, the Masked Saints up
2: there. Christmas in Mississippi was a great movie. So was Masked Saint.
1: Masked Saint was great. Top five, for sure. It wasn't
0: okay. So for rotten or righteous, I'm Zach Tyler. I'm Scooch Taylor. I'm Scooch Judge. And I'm Scooch McGooch. <laughs> Scooch, Magooch.
2: Scooch McGooch.
0: But before we go, you guys know that uh, there's a guy down here that sells firearms, and he he names t he calls himself T Rex. <laughs>
1: No.
2: No, Zach, I didn't know that. Yeah, he's a small arms dealer. (laughs) Good night, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, goodness. That might have been the
1: best joke we've ever had.
2: Stupid show. All right. Good night, everybody. Take care, guys. I'll talk to you soon. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you.
0: Do you know what my hippie sister told me when I told her she couldn't stay on my couch anymore?
2: Why not?
0: She said, nam- nam-
2: Namaste. <laughs> <laughs> she said nah i'm gonna stay no, she said namaste <laughs> namaste you know joseph's
0: getting to that age where he's actually like playing real games with kids and stuff it's kind of fun but the other day i took him to the park they're playing hide and seek he hid behind a chain link fence well, at least i don't have to save for college <laughs> I just wanted to give our we, dear we. listeners a taste of what it would be like if I wasn't here.
2: <laughs> you can't funny.
1: you can't just declare your points comment worthy.
2: All of my points are
1: comment worthy.
2: <laughs> guava what flavor is guava?
1: Guava's like a s like a real sweet fruit. It's like green on the outside, pink on the
2: inside. I thought it was like lizard innards.